Thank you, Ethan. What a great morning, huh? Oh, my goodness. I, I never, I never, never, never grow tired of these types of stories. It's, it's that they're all linked together in one fashion. They're all different stories, but they're all the same story, how Jesus captures our heart. And then we get to proclaim that uh, with, with reckless abandon. And so I love these type of days. And, and you've already been worked into a frenzy already. And, 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 and I get to preach today, which is kind of fun. And, and then also I'm doing a, oh, there was one woohoo. Bless you, whoever that was. So, and then, then I'm actually performing a wedding tonight. And so this is kind of a crazy day. My socks are soaking wet. Um, but, but, but I'm also thinking, I hope I say the right thing at the right place at the right time. So Billy, I almost said, will you take Crystal to be your, that would have been the wrong he does, of course, but it would have been the wrong place, wrong time. So, so hopefully, and, 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 and then the other thing was we knew we were going to have a lot of baptisms, so we didn't want to have a, you know, a three-hour service. And so I, I prepared a message that can go anywhere from five minutes to about three hours. And so um, in light of the masters also being moved up, uh, for those of you who are golf fans, um, I, will, I will do my best to... Uh, teach the word, but also to be sensitive that there is life beyond today and what we're doing. So with that in mind, let me pray for us as we begin to talk about the, the ushering in of Holy Week. So let's pray. Lord, it's with great joy that we enter into your presence, and Lord, we enter into it with thanksgiving. We rejoice because not only are your mercies new, but we got to witness firsthand how your mercies have been new in these lives that we proclaimed as followers of you today through baptism. Lord, I thank you for their faithfulness. I thank you for their obedience. I, Lord, I'm grateful that you're a living God that we worship that's still changing hearts today, all the way from Phoenix, Arizona, all the way to Bogota, Columbia. You knit it all together for your good. And so, Lord, I pray that the message that, that we get to share today is your message. I pray that there are your words that are heard. And so, Lord, uh, you do the speaking, and I'll just stand up here and move my lips. And so, Lord, thank you for this privilege. We give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I mentioned, this is the beginning of Holy Week. This is kind of the Super Bowls of the Christian church, where we're led down this path towards Easter Sunday. And we celebrate a lot during this week. We have different services going on. Our big one will be Good Friday that we have at 6 o'clock here. And then we have uh, four different Easter services that I know we've talked about already. And so this is a big week. But sometimes we just skip right past Palm Sunday. We kind of have, we can bring out the palm branches, we kind of talk a little bit about it, but we skip past Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is one of these unique, unique times in the life of the church where we get to see in a, a serious swing of passion, a serious swing of emotion that takes place. And the ushering in of a king on a donkey and the people going absolutely crazy. In fact, take a look up here and you can see what the scene is in Mark chapter 11. It says, and those who went before those, who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he, Father David, Hosanna in the highest. That's ushering in our king. Now, let me give you a little bit of a backdrop for you, because this didn't just happen by accident one day that Jesus came in on a donkey. You see, he has been teaching for about three years up to this point. He's gathered up some disciples, and he's been doing some absolutely 
amazing things. He's been bringing people from death to life. He's been healing sickness. He's been casting demons out of people. He's turned water into wine. He's multiplied bread and fish. He's doing some amazing things. And what's happened is people are starting to follow him. People are starting to gather and and hang out with him. He's also doing some teaching along the way that is kind of poking at the hearts of those that are self-righteous, poking at the hearts of those that are really supposed to be representing him. But all along, there's this groundswell of support that could this be the Messiah that our people have talked about for thousands of years? And so here they are on this particular Sunday, and and I can't imagine what the scene must have been like. I mean, picture your your best rock concert or country concert or hip-hop concert, whatever concert you go to, uh, classical music concert. They're probably not as loud as this, but, but can you imagine what that scene was like, that the streets are filled and they're chanting, Hosanna. And Hosanna is this beautiful word that sometimes we just sneak right past, but Hosanna literally means save us. These were people that were in desperate need of a savior, desperate need of a king, desperate need of a conqueror. And so many believed that this was the Messiah. But also among the group were those that were kind of the self-righteous, the religious, because Jesus was very intentional about reaching out to the marginalized, reaching out to, as he said, it's the sinners that need a doctor, not the well. He reached out to those that were kind of pushed out of society, those that were, that, that maybe didn't look like the, the, the cleaned, pristine religious people at that time. He went out and touched the lepers. He went out and met with the woman at the well who was outcast. He protected the woman that was about to be stoned when he knew everyone had sinned in that circle. This was a guy who was turning the world completely upside down. That that the meek shall inherit the earth. That blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. He was flipping it over on its edge. And there were those that thought they had the answer. And they were amongst that crowd too. And so amongst that yelling, Hosanna, here comes our king. There were those that were secretly going, what are we going to do? This guy could upset the whole apple cart. And so what are we going to do? But they knew they couldn't stand up at that point in time and say, uh, we need to start a riot. They would have started a riot if they would have stood up at that moment. And so what was prophesied literally hundreds and thousands of years before is that the ushering king, the Messiah, would come on a donkey. And that a sign of respect was where they would lay their cloaks down, their clothes down, their jackets down, and ultimately palm branches as a sign of respect, as a sign of acknowledging royalty as this donkey would enter the town. Can you imagine what their hearts were like? They were worked in such a frenzy, kind of like we were today in hearing these stories of new life. You know, they were anticipating this guy. They were eager They were confident that this is the guy, that all the promise in the world was happening, that things would finally be settled, that their team would win, that all the persecution, all the bondage, all the slavery that they'd been a part of was going to be taken care of. This was the man. Good things are coming my way and my team wins. That's what everybody was screaming in this frenzied pace like that. That's Palm Sunday. But within just a few days, that passion would swing from one end of the pendulum to the other end. And it reminds me of something. I don't tell you a whole lot of stories about my dad. 
because my dad left when I was about 12 years old. And so I had kind of these lost years between uh, 12 and 18 when I intercepted back into his life. And one thing about my dad was, you don't know him, but he, he was a positive guy. He, was, he always thought the cup was half full. Even when there was a lot of stuff going on, he thought the cup was half full. And as I entered back into his life, I found out how he would get these shots of adrenaline, these shots of keeping up. And it was through motivational speakers. And so if you see anything in me that might be a little bit motivational speakerish or a little bit positive, that was a little bit of an influence that he had in my life because he would drag me to these conferences. And so I would go see Zig Ziglar and I would go see Napoleon Hill and Mark Victor Hansen. He's got all those chicken soup for the souls. And then Robert Schuler. And, and I would go to these things. It was like, if you could see it, you believe it, you can achieve it. And it was like, everybody just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd come out of there you know, ready to walk on hot coals. In fact, some of them, I never did that, but some of them would walk on hot coals. And then it would just work people into this lather, kind of thinking, kind of like these people were worked into this lather on Palm Sunday. But it wouldn't take long, maybe a week, two weeks, maybe a few months. And then I'd notice that my dad's maybe temperament would fall a little bit. And then the next thing I know, I get the invite, hey, we're going to see Tony Robbins. And so, oh my goodness, Tony Robbins, it's crazy. I mean, if you couldn't get off your seat and get jazzed up over that, it was absolutely, it was, it was your problem. But the problem was, the problem was that fervor never lasted. The fervor never lasted. And it wasn't until I accepted the Lord at about 20 that I realized, oh, there's nothing that you can put into your life that's gonna keep you at this level other than Jesus. But then I think about this story and how it connects in my life. And I think about what would happen just five days later at Palm Sunday. This is a book. I don't have many books that I kept or, or mementos that I have from my dad, but he had passed away. And, and, and so <laughs> this book, I just keep, and I, I, I don't even know why I brought it today, but it's Robert Schuler's Tough Times Never Last, But Tough People Do. I've never actually read this book, but I thought the title was, was fascinating because... I know this guy was a preacher, but I, I, I think tough times could last for a while. And I don't know about tough people. I think it's more faithful people last. And so anyways, I keep that book as kind of a, I knew someday I would make it a sermon illustration. And so <laughs> this was it. But in just five days from Palm Sunday, so here we've got this hoopla, this great concert going on, Hosanna, here comes our king, our conquering, all the promise in the world. And then five days later, let's pick up in Mark chapter 15. Look up here on the screen. It says, And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall we do with the man you call the king of the Jews? Now, Pilate was the Roman uh, emperor at the time, or a governor in that area, who was tasked with taking care of this Jesus because uh, the, 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 the religious people didn't want to get their hands dirty at that time. So they handed the job over to Pilate. And so he says, What, do you, what, what, what shall I do with this guy? And he says in verse 13, And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? And, but they shouted all the more, crucify him. I find it just amazing. I know you've heard that story a thousand times, but how do you go from Hosanna on Sunday to crucify him on Friday? And so I look at my own life and I think, okay, I've got the benefit of the doubt. I've got hindsight. I know what happens on Sunday. 
I know that Jesus rises from the dead. I know the whole story. And yet I think to myself, do I have the same human nature that these people had? And I think sometimes we point our fingers and say, I would never do that. I would never say crucify Jesus, especially for someone who knows the rest of the story. So I, I, I don't know if, if you can identify with this or not, but it's something that I look at. Does my fervor for Jesus change over time? And worse yet, is there a chance that maybe I don't utter the words crucify him, but my actions or my thoughts say crucify him? What is it about our lives that causes us to go from you to man to you not the man? And so I think about life. Life happens, right? Circumstances come into our life. Uh, life doesn't sometimes go the way we wanted it. Maybe life isn't happening the way I want it to happen. And do I sit back and say, crucify him? So, so what does it look like in my life? And, and, and you can just join along. This is just purely for me. If you can identify with this, great, but I'm really preaching to myself here. Is, is do I doubt that Christ's plan is better for me over those five days? And do I hence say crucify him? Does Jesus know what he's actually doing here? If he could just fix this, then we'd be all fine. And do I say crucify him because he's not doing what he should be doing? Do I deny Christ before others? Am I in environments or circles where I have this unbelievable opportunity that's been laid before me and do I like Peter deny Christ? and therefore say, crucify him. When his way just isn't the way I want it to be. Maybe it's when my faith gets shaken where maybe I don't sense him hearing my prayer. Do I say, crucify him? Do I sit back and say, is he really sovereign? Does he really know everything from start to finish? And does he change his mind? And do I say, crucify him? Or is life just fine? I'm comfortable got a good life, I've got a nice house, I've got a great wife, I've got great kids, and I realize I really don't need Jesus in my life, and hence do I say, crucify him. Or what is that thing in my life that I've put on a throne above Jesus? What is that idol, what is that thing I desire more than Jesus? Do I hence say, crucify him? And so I asked myself on this day from Palm Sunday, which is almost like a baptism day, right? It's where we proclaim Jesus as Lord. We couldn't be more excited. You guys are clapping. We're singing hallelujahs. We're even singing a little louder today. We're doing all that stuff. And yet five days later, some things drift into our lives that cause us to say, crucify him. So I guess, what do we do? What do we do with this? And, and, and what I'm talking to is, is two different types of people that are here today. There's those of us who know the Lord. And, 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 and as my mom would say, you should know better, okay? We, I totally get that. We should know better. So I'm talking to us who know the Lord. I want you to be encouraged by something I'm going to read for you in just a second. But let's say you don't know the Lord and, and your life has just been these Tony Robbins events or maybe it's a new car or maybe it's something else that, that helps you stay joyful. Um, and you realize over time that just doesn't leave you satisfied. It doesn't leave you with this confidence that those who know the Lord does. Am I my thought would be is that make sure you come back on Easter 
For those of you who don't know that, you get to hear the rest of the story because perhaps you've never heard the rest of the story or perhaps this is the year that you would hear the rest of the story because I'll fast forward to you. This will be, if you don't want to hear what happens on Easter, you can close your ears right now, but Jesus rises from the dead, okay? It's a big deal. No one's ever done that. A guy predicts his own death and resurrection and pulls it off. He's probably a guy we ought to listen to. So that's what happens on Sunday. And so I want you to come back for that. But for those of us who know the Lord, I want you to take this confidence. It's easy, as I said, to knock these crowds at Palm Sunday, but I have a sense we would be among those people who are singing Hosanna and also yelling, crucify him. But we have this great confidence. And the writer of Hebrews lets us know and reminds us of this great confidence that we have. So look up on the screen as I pull up Hebrews chapter four. In verse 14, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, risen from the dead, Jesus, the Son of God, the one who's sovereign, the one who knows our plan, the one who created you, the one who knows every day that you will have on this earth, that Son of God. So let us hold fast to our confession. For those of us who know the Lord, let's hold fast to that confession of when we were in that baptistry and we said, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. That's what we're holding on to. We're not holding on to anything else. In verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest in this Jesus who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but on one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. Here's the great news. Jesus knows what you're going through. He experienced everything we experience on this earth, even so much as going to death, which a lot of us will not ever have to face. When the heat was turned up on him, when, when the circumstances weren't quite the way it would be, he want me, I shouldn't say he wanted to be, but the circumstances just weren't set to where it was gonna be pleasant. It was gonna be very uncomfortable. It was not my will, but your will be done. But when the heat was turned up, you know what he did? He was obedient. Obedient all the way to death, death on a cross. When the heat was turned up on him, when, 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 the, when, when you might say, oh, there's a reason for Jesus to doubt. There's a reason for him to question what the actual plan is. You know what he did? He remained faithful to his father and walked all the way to the cross for us. So in his moment of utter pain and anguish, he was thinking of you. He was thinking of me. He was thinking about your sin and what it would take to remove that sin from you. So we have a guy who, who, who can identify with everything that you're going through. And I don't pretend that some of you aren't going through some really tough stuff, but no, Christ has been there. So this is what the writer of Hebrews says in verse 16, once we know and have this great confidence. It says, let us then with confidence, Palm Sunday type of confidence, know that we draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. So here's my challenge to us today is that we would live a Palm Sunday type of life with all the promise, all the confidence, all the eagerness, Hosanna, save us. All of the fervor, all of the frenzy, even when Wednesday rolls around and you maybe don't feel like it. 
there will be circumstances. Things will not go our way. Things will not make sense. And Jesus is right there alongside of us saying, I get it, I understand it, but hold on to me. Draw near to me. Come to me. I am all that you need. Please don't put that other stuff, that doubt, those fears, those anxious, those worries in front of me. And certainly don't put these other things on a throne above me. Please do not yell, crucify me. Please do not yell, crucify me. That's the type of confidence we have. And I think living a Palm Sunday type of life. And we can live this Palm Sunday kind of life because for 2,000 years we've been celebrating what happened on Easter. This guy's alive. This guy's changing hearts today. This guy's changing lives today who knows us so intimately. So here's my challenge for you for the week. I don't usually give you homework, but I feel obligated to give you some homework. So get your pens out. And I know there's not notepads or anything in there, but I want you to write, write it on your spouse's hand or write it on your hand. But I want you to read something for me this week, and it's really for you. As we prepare for this week, maybe this week will be a little bit different in your mind. We begin by yelling, Hosanna, save us. The king is coming. And we culminate at the end of our week by saying, he is risen. And so what I want you to do is walk through this week, this story of how people went from Hosanna to crucify him to he is risen. And the passages I want you to read, and it's real easy, and even if you don't have a pen, you can just, you can, you can remember this, but it's in the Gospel of Luke. And I'll tell you in a second why I picked that one. Gospel of Luke, it's chapters 20 through, 22 through 24. 22 through 24. It tells the whole story of what we will live out this week at church and also across the entire globe. But the reason I chose that one, it's got one of the greatest lines, one of my favorites, in Luke 24, when the disciples and Marys come to the tomb to see this risen Jesus, they run into an angel. And the angel says, why do you look for the living among the dead? And I think that is such a great line. Well, the reason we do is because we think dead people stay in tombs. And the good news is this dead person did not stay in the tomb. So that gives us all the confidence to live this Palm Sunday type of life. And that's my prayer for us. So let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for this time. We're thankful for the message of Easter. Lord, it's not by accident that each year this comes around and we get worked into a frenzy. But Lord, this week passes and then life comes at us. And, and, and we have these opportunities to choose how we are going to live, whether we're going to live a Hosanna or live a Crucify Him. And so, Lord, help us to be mindful that you've already won the race, that you, you've already conquered evil, that you've rescued us, that you've redeemed us from the pit. Help us to remember that. And, Lord, for those who have continued to put their faith and trust in something else that they have to keep adding to, that they have to keep changing, Lord, that gets so tiring. And so, Lord, I pray that perhaps this would be the year that they would know without a doubt that you are a living God, that you are their only hope, you're the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And so, Lord, uh, move in their life and draw them to yourself. And so, Lord, thank you for this time that we've had together as family, and, and help us to be mindful and be confident in you, and, and not allow the worries of the world to drag us down. Lord, we give you all praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
So let love be genuine. And your love can be genuine because someone loved you while you were still a sinner. Hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good. And what is good, we've got a full week of Super Bowl coming here with leading up to Easter. So come back on Good Friday and attend one of our Easter services. It'll be great to see you. Invite a friend because I know they're asking about where they should go on Easter. And you should probably be able to still catch the Masters. All right? Bless you, and we'll see you next week.